Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. It's a great week. This is our first show here in April. We were off last week, but very excited to be back. And uh, did you guys file your taxes, by the way? Tax day is coming up. Yep, I yep. did it. Uh, uh, end of February, I guess. So. Okay. Locked in. Way ahead of the game. So make sure you get your taxes. This is the last week to get your taxes done. I think you've got about six days left. Um, also, coming up here uh, next week, so a week from tomorrow, we've got our State of the Freight webinar. That will be hosted by our CEO, Craig Fuller, and Head of Market Intelligence, Zach Strickland. Be sure to tune in for that. Those are very popular, by the way. Yeah. Very popular. A lot of folks get involved. That, and that's, that's community. Like, you can, you can talk to them. Yeah. It's, it, it, if you haven't watched one, they're incredible because you're getting knowledge from two leaders that understand the data and what it means arguably better than anyone else. And then obviously there's a Q and a section so you can get involved and ask them questions directly. So definitely check it out. If you haven't seen one before, I highly recommend. Tanner, do a lot of our customers go to the, uh, the webinars? Yes, a lot of our Active Center customers love love the webinars, uh, especially this one. It's usually a highlight, highlight of the quarter. Very good. Well, be sure to tune in for that. It's coming up. And then um, on a side note, uh, we are, while not a FreightWaves event per se, we're going to the Gardner Supply Chain Summit. FreightWaves has a very big presence. We're a sponsor of the Gardner Supply Chain Summit in May next month. The reason I bring that up is Craig and Zach again are speaking at the Gardner Supply Chain Summit and uh, alongside one of our customers, Unilever. So you're going to be able to hear both from Craig and Zach again at Gardner and be able to interact with uh, Unilever, uh, one of our customers there. They're going to be able to talk to things. So if you're going to the Gardner Supply Chain Summit, be sure to stop by the um, the, the roundtable as well as the speaking uh, engagement that they're hosting. All right, enough of that. Um, we've got one more announcement, but we'll save it for the very end of the show. In the meantime, today, uh, not a ton happened in the freight world over the last week. It was a fairly straight week, although we did see one more leg down in rates. But outside of that, market was pretty stable, right? What were the highlights over the last week? I mean, really, you kind of look at it, volumes to start the month, what kind of started to take a little bit of a yeah. dive, right? I mean... It's not massive. I mean, still holding above that 10,000 level, but you're starting to see those come down. Rejections are broke below 3%, which is kind of a matter of when, not yeah. if. And that's, that's really a, that's really like a psychological barrier. I feel like yeah, that was. Yeah. Cause it was so, it kind of thought of, I mean, you look back, like the only time they were ever this low was when the economy was shut down, you break through that projections have a natural floor, right? They, yeah. They'll never be 0% because the capacity is imbalanced and things like that. So to see them break below that 3% uh, mark is, wasn't telling or important, but it's still the same trend. Right. It, it doesn't 2% or 2.8% or 3.1%. Overall, the market's still pretty similar, ultimately very soft. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's just new lows, new lower lows. I think yep. that's what we've seen. Everybody's expecting it. We're still in the same trend. But as far as the, the trend, like you said, it's been kind of boring. It's the exact same. Nothing super important has changed or flipped yet. Yeah. 
Um, I would say the one thing we continue to see, which we, we talk about it this whole week is, is more closures, um, yeah. more and more carriers, um, closing. We, we had a story on freight waves earlier today about a, a team driver, son, a uh, father and son in Illinois that just got left, um, because company shut down went bankrupt. So, yeah. um, unfortunately I think we're going to see more of that. That's a tough situation to be in. But on a, on a positive note though, uh, the CPI report came in and I think for the most part, that was a positive reading, Right. Yeah, I mean, yes. How would you guys read that? It's the way I see it is it's not prices are staying high, right? You have to remember prices haven't come down. Correct. I think it the rate of increases has come down, but it's not that prices have come down. Your eggs have come down. Those prices have come down. What was it? A ten point nine percent drop month over month, which the Falaska household appreciates greatly. <laughs> we have, we are now buying eggs. But they're still 36% higher than they were this time last year. Yes. Mind that. Are they though? I don't yes. know if that's true. My grocery store. I, 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 you know, I, we're still in this weird environment where like bad news is good news and the news is bad news. It's really weird. Like, you know, yes, technically inflation is up, you know, 0.1% month over month and, you know, year over year we're 5%, but it, it's still, it's still inflation. Like, yeah. You know, 2% is the target and the fact that we're still at 5% year over year like that's a that's a bad thing like five percent on a big number on a big number yeah, yeah. It's, and it's but all of a sudden you know like this morning the, the stock market acts like it's great and that we're heading in the right direction which we are heading in the right direction but we're still in this weird environment where the bad news is good news yeah no very true very true there's um let's go ahead and just bring up um i guess how the, uh, go ahead and bring up tender rejections i think this is important this is what you were talking about earlier and this is something that we've been posting about on Twitter, kind of watching it unfold a little bit. So the trend is mostly the same. I think the biggest thing to take away from this chart is, I mean, you are essentially at the lowest of the low that this has really ever been at. And you're getting awfully close to that COVID dip there back in April of 2020. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, can you go lower than that? Because it was like 2.57%, I think, yeah. in the last week of April uh, of 2020. Can we go lower than that? I think is the question now. I think that's because it, it doesn't seem like there's anything to move this higher, right? We're seeing exits in the market or bankruptcies and the like, but it's not enough to impact anything yet. And I think that's the key is there's nothing to suggest this number is going to surge back higher right from here. Yeah. And the scary thing about it is that, yes, we're technically similar to the bottom of COVID, but the markets are very different. The mm -hmm. reason we were at 2.5, 2.6% something is because the, the entire economy was shut down and nobody was buying anything. Like now we're like COVID's pretty much behind us for the majority. And now we're in a somewhat normal market where people are out and, and people are spending money, but now we're at the same rejection level. So yes, technically, even though the levels, the actual number is the same or close to it, I, I think we're in very different environments. Yeah, totally agree. And it'll be interesting to see how this impacts. And 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 what's remarkable about this is while the market is so unbelievably soft, and I think a lot of folks were were begging the question of rates were, are, are not going to go back to pre-pandemic levels. That does not appear to be true anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think everything's kind of this mean reversion, right? You you think about it, rates were so high that they had to come down to, they had to make a meaningful decline, right? Yeah. What that was, like obviously pre-pandemic, we were in this healthy, I don't want to say healthy range because we saw a record number of bankruptcies in 2019, but like 
it was pretty stable, I guess is the way to say. What we haven't seen is stable rate environment at all at any point during the last two and a half years. And I think that's the key is like, we need some stabilizing on the rate side of the market before we really see anything. And that's the the real kicker, I think. Yeah, the only way that happens is capacity leaving the market. Yep. And I know we're seeing shutdowns. You've just said it a few minutes ago. Is you know, yes, you're seeing these 20 truck companies file bankruptcy, 50 truck, 100 truck, but we we're going to need some Goliaths to fall. Uh, not necessarily, you know, somebody like the Night Swift merger, but I'm talking about in that like 500 to 1500 truck range. Like some of those guys are gonna have to fail. In 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 order to take big chunks out of out of what's going on. Yeah, and or demand has to come back. And right now we don't see any signals for that. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the part we were really looking for, right. Was the demand side because yes, you need capacity to leave the market, but it is a slow drip because I mean, I think honestly, I think having rates as high as they were almost hampers it net like the, the cycle on the downside too, right. You, you, if a carrier in was built up their war chest, right? They they had this cash flow. They were able to set aside cash for a rainy day. Well, now you're starting to bleed that cash off because the odds of running profitably at two dollars and twenty cents a mile is a lot lower than running at three dollars a mile, right? So you're starting to bleed that off, and it just extends this runway that carriers had or could have had if they held on to this cash. And I think that ultimately hurts it. So you need a demand to help use up this capacity. And it's, that's just not there. 100%. Let's go ahead and pull up the NTI here, our National Truck Load Index, just to see how the impact has been to rates. I mean, you can see it right there, down about 224 uh, per mile right now. This is all in on the spot market per, for drive-in. And it's, we are we have dipped below the high of 2019 there where you can kind of see it ramped up around Christmas time. So we are, we're, we're below pre-pandemic highs yeah. is, is a good way to say it. And that's all in. Now we obviously all know not a great place to be. Fuel is 38% higher than it was pre-pandemic. Uh, equipment costs about 25% higher than it was around uh, uh, pre-pandemic. And that's after it already coming down off of its peak, right? Volumes are less, insurance premiums are, are quite a bit more, operating ratios are being compressed in every possible direction. So again, the mean reversion, it's happening. I almost wonder if we've overcorrected to the downside. I don't think we found the bottom on rates to the downside, but it does feel like, at least with the spot market, we've overcorrected to the downside. Before, we're probably going to come up a little bit and hang out there for a little while. Yeah, I mean, do we... But like, what's that cause from? Is that a little bit of produce season? Is it a little bit of flattening from the bottom? Like there's there's nothing that signifies that that might hold or why that's there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like stocks, right? You know, when, when 2008 happened, right? And the market sold off approximately and it hit a bottom of nearly 50% down the S&P. It's like, is there a cause for a 50% decline? Maybe the right decline was 37%. Maybe the right decline was 42%, right? So it's, it, we overreact right? You, you get a little over leverage to the top side and things grow too much, right? And then you're, everybody wants to get out because they realize the rug's being pulled and then you get a little too much selling pressure and you go down too far. And then you come up a little bit before you finally start to climb out. So we oversold 2009, the stock market did very well, up like 20%, but it was because we oversold, but it still took us three more years to reach back 
to the pre-financial crisis highs of the stock market. So I think we might see something like that in the logistics market. I think we, we go a little bit lower and then we come up just enough to kind of settle in and companies can run at a, a profit. And then eventually over most likely many years or some crazy event where demand comes back or a lot more equity leaves the market, we inch back up. Yeah, I think the concern with that one, right, is when you look at freights, it's you really have one, I don't want to say one person setting the market, but it's almost like a race to the bottom, right? right. And I think like it's, yeah. it's, it's like one, if there's one carrier out there willing to take this, well, that's going to be what the rate is, where it, on the stuff where you have, this is where they're similar but different, mm-hmm. right? Because you set your, you can put in, hey, this is the limit that we're willing to pay and things like that, and it either gets filled or it doesn't. Well, somebody can swoop in there and take a load from out from under you at, if say you're charging a dollar seventy, they come in at dollar sixty five. Bam, there you go. Well, you just now you've lost the freight, and it's moving. It's moved the rate lower, right? Yeah. So I think that's where it kind of differs. Like we we make the we talk about it because it's so fragmented, and there's a lot of buyers and a lot of sellers. It's set to market, but in this instance, that all it takes is somebody willing to take a cheaper rate to drive that rate further yeah. down. So. If there's still somebody out there, it's going to push it down. It's going to take a lot of people to be willing saying, hey, we can't operate anymore to push that rate back up, even if you think it's over overdone. I also think it's just too many, so many people are just taking the lanes for what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Driver will call a broker, will say, hey, this is what we're offering. You either got to take it or leave it. A lot of them are just, they're just taking out without doing their research. And Luke, Tony and I, we, we've done lanes of the day all three days this week, and we have found six lanes that are well above, round trip, well above the national average. So there are still lanes that are out there that are available that are decent paying lanes. You just, you, you've got to put in the time and the research to be able to find Yeah, I think that's the key. Is- and and some lanes are tighter capacity than others. I was yeah. looking at Green Bay, Wisconsin right now for outbound refrigerated tender rejections. Rates are down. Yeah. Rates are down. Tender rejections are up 50% year to date. Exactly. But there's a chance to push rates up. It right? should push rates up. Mm-hmm. Just everybody's in this mindset of down, down, down. But the reality is they have a little bit more. And tender rejections are at 13%. The, the yeah, so overall reefer market's at 3%. Tender rejections nationally. They're at 13% rates of much. This is where, and that's why it's so important on the carrier front to understand what's going on in these markets. Because you need to be able to take, especially in a, a down market or a de- softening freight market. You have to be able to take advantage of where you have them, right? Even if it's a, hey, do you see that reefer rejections in Green Bay are on the rise, right? Hey, this is a chance I have a little pricing power right now. Maybe it's not a lot. Maybe I can squeeze an extra couple cents. But that couple cents, like we've talked about over a very long mileage band, adds up. And especially if you can do it yeah, every day. And again, and so... It's, uh, those pennies make dollars very quickly, especially when you're talking links of haul. I mean, yeah. So, or longer links of haul, if you can, this is where you've got to be able to take advantage where you go into a market like Atlanta, where rejections are what? 2%, 3%. Like there's the pricing power of that market for a carrier is just basically non-existent. Everybody's taking any contracted freight they can. Anything that's left to the spot market is just getting sucked up at any rate. It, it's just it's just getting taken. I think that's a trend you sl- you'll see at least for a little bit unless we see produce season really kind of 
intensify and that's the the elephant in the room like does it is produce season strong or is it coming soft like everything else has kind of been soft so far this year yeah now i want to i want to switch gears a little bit we talked about we introduced this i think for the first time last week we were talking about wait times and this is an interesting period because the market is so soft a lot of shippers have the ability to i think make improvements to their warehouse uh, because eventually when the market does flip in whatever capacity and whatever timeline that happens right some of these facilities are going to be much better positioned than others so i'm going to i'm going to come over here to the to the main screen but let's go ahead and throw this up uh, for folks to be able to see so this is a tree map of a lot of the different industries that we have and you know i think this is a really good picture of what's happening so the the industries with the biggest wait times are in the top left and the industries with the lowest wait times are in the bottom right so, you know, you've got distributors in the top right. You've got air freight. That's going to be your airlines. Uh, you've got industrial machinery, right? You know, things like Caterpillar and, and Komatsu and so on, right? You've got um, uh, food distributors down there, 134 minutes at some of these places. So basically, the, the, left, ha the left side of this is all over that two-hour mark. And then a lot of folks below the two-hour mark here with some of the best performers down here. You look, home improvement retails down 17% week over week. 76 minutes. That's not a bad wait time. Not a bad wait time, right? Versus look at industrial machinery up 40% week over week. These are week over week numbers. At to 136 minutes, you're having to wait there. Yeah, I, I look at it and I look at that home improvement one and I'm, I've got Bank of America's credit card spending report. I mean, that's an area right now that is seeing slower spending, which to me, if you're not moving, having to move things throughout or as fast, right, you can improve those efficiencies at these warehouses. You look at, I mean, and it it's a trend on all of those, right? Home improvement, department stores, uh, that general merchandise, things like that. Those are all areas that, Spending is slowed significantly. You can improve your efficiency at your warehouse because you're not having to move things through at such a breakneck speed like you were. And ultimately, it's leading to improvement. And then you look at the industrial side, which that side of the economy is still, it hasn't suffered maybe the same fate as the consumer. We'll put it that way. It's It's been more flat and, and relatively strong. And you're seeing it's still dealing with challenges. Yeah, and one thing that's actually interesting on this chart, Luke, is soft drinks are down about 13%, right? The weather has started to yep. kind of heat up. All these, you know, water bottles, because I'm guessing soft drinks, like you've probably got some uh, some some water in there, some energy drinks, also, you know, Cokes and Sprites and stuff like that. But as it heats up, you would think that more soft drink freight would be going out. So therefore, it would take longer to load because those those facilities are much busier. So I, I'm interesting to see this 13% decrease. Yeah. I, it is unique and it could be, and now keep in mind, it is a 13% decrease week over week, which is a really good direction to head in. It's headed in the right direction, but it's still at 125 minutes over that two hour threshold. So I think what the, the challenge here is, even though it's headed in the right direction, and I agree, Tony, demand definitely plays a part. You're, you know, a lot of these companies are trying to find ways to cut costs and maybe that's to, you know, hone down a little bit on the warehouse, uh, warehouse folks, but you know, you're, you, you have to be efficient, you know, getting these trucks in and out. And I, I think it's a, I think it's in danger for the companies that have much higher wait times to take a look here on that industrial retail center. I mean, look at this, this is over the last year. Look at that. Look at this spike that we've had. Excuse me. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. 
They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, I mean, outside of... That's massive. Yeah, outside of the holidays, I mean, it's the highest it's been ever. Yeah. In any time in the past year, right? I mean, it's... They're at Christmas New Year's levels. Yeah, so, I mean, it's concerning because... At this point, you're waste. Typically, you think of that two-hour mark is is baked into the rate to be loaded yeah. and unloaded, right? And now you're wasting 16 minutes of that driver's time. Well, that 16 minutes can add up when you think about it going what 60 miles an hour down the road. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you're talking what is that 16 miles shorter just on by wasting that at 60 miles an hour? So. That adds up. I mean, you come up 16 miles short and have to wait a day and you miss a delivery window. Well, and this is on average, right? So that means there are some industrial machinery companies that have extremely long wait times and some are closer to that two hours. So it's, uh, it is concerning when you see that spike, especially because it's one, the biggest spike that we've seen. Uh, But overall, it's, I mean, the highest level it's been too, right? That's the, it's the double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. And 120 minutes, like that's, that's a long time. That's two hours, right? Like you, you think about it, even looking pre, what is it like November, you're kind of in that hundred minute range. Like, okay, an hour and a half, like that's, that's understandable. Right. But over two hours, you add that up. I mean, drivers doing what on average four to five loads per week, let's say it takes two hours. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's almost a full nother load that they could complete yeah. if, if every single shipper receivers over two hours. I I had a, I I feel like when I was working in logistics, I had a lot of extremes. I had a customer that very consistently loaded between three and four hours. That's how my trucks were going to be. I knew I had to pay attention every single time, and I just charged them for it. So I never charged my customer detention because they wouldn't pay it. They couldn't care less. But I would charge it for them in the rate because I knew I would, I would pad the rate a little bit, and then I'd have to pay it out. Um, and But I had another customer, on the other hand, very tight ship, 30 minutes. You were in and you were out. And it's possible to load in some industries, it's possible to load very quickly, but you, you gotta be ready. A lot of these guys aren't, these, these warehouses aren't ready. It's the efficiency part, right? Yeah. And that building the efficiencies within your supply chain, because mm-hmm. when we talk about transportation, right? You think just trucking rail, just the mode of transportation. Well, you start thinking broader in supply chains, it's materials it's warehousing things like that like driving this efficiency is ultimately what's going to one helps shippers become shippers of choice and you hear that's what they want to be they want to be a shipper that these carriers and brokers want to work with but you don't do it by having your driver sit 140 minutes at a dock getting loaded right yeah you get them in and out because ultimately the driver's making money by driving not sitting at the dock yeah and shippers ultimately think like oh well that it you know me having longer wait times isn't going to affect the rates that i get because i'll just pay in detention no i mean subconsciously as a broker or carrier when you were quoting a shipper one of the first thing you, you ask yourself is hey how long does it take for him to load me and if you know subconsciously that man that shipper takes forever to load us like you're gonna bump up that rate and yeah shippers need to realize that if if, if you don't 
drive efficiencies like you were saying in your warehouse that it will affect your 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 transportation budget and your spend over, over a year's time. And then it'll affect your network because when the market tightens up, carriers will just say, no, no thanks. I don't I don't need this now. Like I can go somewhere else. Yeah. 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 So yeah. if you want to build a resilient and efficient supply chain with talking about warehousing, make sure those efficiencies of getting trucks loaded and unloaded it improves really. And you have to make sure the warehouse crew is also being, is able to talk and communicate with the production team or the assembly line team or the packaging team, whatever team is ultimately going to give them the goods to get onto those trucks. So, you know, they, they, they have to be able to communicate with each other. Um, we're getting close to the time, but we have another announcement here. Uh, I believe we have until April 15th. So tax day, which is technically April 18th this year, but uh, traditionally tax day, we've got a free giveaway. So if the Future Supply Chain is our event that is coming up in June. Uh, it's June 20th, um, and uh, or excuse me, June 21st and 22nd. But if you buy tickets before April 15th, you are going to be entered to win two infield club seats for the uh, for the Cleveland uh, game that's there um, the day before the event starts. So you got some nice MLB tickets to uh, play around with. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, and those that have already purchased tickets, you're automatically entered for this too so How about that? get on if you want to be entered something to do in cleveland the yeah. night before the event starts yeah. there at what 8 9 a.m get in there buy those tickets now because all t- and there's a sale going on so yeah. take advantage of the the spring fever sale that's yeah. right absolutely i think they're like 900 tickets it's it's good value so we'll see. great great time plus you get to hang out with us so Anyways, have a fantastic rest of your day. We will see you next week live on Hashtag with Sonar, of course. And please engage with us online. We'll be shooting a lot of updates here uh, in the coming days as to what's happening in the free markets. Take care.